This is Ham College, episode 37 for January 31st, 2018. Ham College is brought to you by ICOM. From DSTAR to SDR, ICOM uses the most advanced technology in their radios. And by hamstudy.org, a great way to study for your next license exam. Good evening. Welcome to another episode of Ham College. I'm Professor Thomas. And I'm Dean Martin. And it's great to be back with you again. Dean Martin is operating from the remote classroom tonight. Yeah, I'm in the cold, beautiful state of Utah. Utah. I've been, Sur- I've been telling Surrounded everybody, by mountains and snow. It's really pretty out here. I've been telling everybody you were in Iowa all week. Really? Oh, well, yeah. Yeah, I, well, sure I may be there next week. You just don't ever know. No, you never do know, do you? Well, <laughs> but it's really pretty here. I've, I've kind of enjoyed the, the scenery. Yeah, I've seen some of the pictures you posted. It looks nice. Yeah, it is. Well, anytime we're doing a live stream when we're recording our shows, we've got a chat room going on simultaneously. And that's it, amateurlogic.tv slash chat. There's a group of folks in there right now having a good time. And we're looking at it every now and then. As much as we can, I can't look there and here at the same time, but that doesn't really stop me. Yeah, and uh, if you're watching the live stream and you're not in the chat, you're missing half the fun. So you ought to go to the URL on your screen now and come join us over there. Yeah, there will be a test. We look down to see what everybody's answering uh, after each of the uh, questions are read here and, uh, and and get a general consensus of what the correct answer may be on these questions. They're not always right. Most of the time they are, but, uh, you know, they're just like us. They, you, you can miss one and still pass. Thank goodness. Yep. Which is likely to happen tonight. We uh, Neither one of us are really... CW operators. Um, yeah. And there's going to be a lot of questions tonight dealing with uh, things you would use as a CW operator. So we'll just have to see if we get those right. Yeah. I, I remember a little of that stuff when I studied, but, but not a lot of it. So I, I suspect there are going to be quite a few buzzers going on tonight. I, I will be totally surprised if there's not at least... What I said earlier, I think we'll probably have maybe three or so. Yeah, I I think you're probably right there. Well, what did we talk about last weekend? Uh, no, not last weekend, last episode. Well, so much has happened since then, but I'm thinking we talked about uh, inductance, I believe, again, and uh, sideband. <laughs> oh, where'd you get that idea from? <laughs> just the notion. It's just kind of just had a memory. It kind of came back. It was flooding to me all at once. 
Yeah, <laughs> we we did, and we talked about uh, operations uh, practices. And this particular question right here, you know, we we were asking questions really. Which sideband was used where? The bands uh, forty meters and below are generally all lower sideband, with the exception of sixty meters. And though, did I say that right? Yeah. And uh, above that, they're all upper sideband. Now, somebody had asked, is there a reason for it? And we said... That was me. Yep. And we, we decided it was just a... That's just the way they did it. There was no real reason for it. Well, it turns out there might be a real reason for that. Did, have you heard from anyone on that, Tommy? Yeah, Dex sent an email with uh, some technical explanations of it. It's still kind of a gentleman's agreement, but there is some technical stuff to why they chose to do that. And I, I meant to get that, but being away from home, I, I didn't wasn't able to print that out and everything. Do you have it, Andy? No. <laughs> I don't. Okay. Well, I don't. we'll have to follow back up on it then. But it was, it was really interesting. I appreciate him typing all that up because it was a pretty long email. Yeah, it was. To, and I've got the uh, similar answers from a, a number of different people. It had to do with the way that they used the oscillators in uh, the, the early sideband rigs there and what mathematically worked out uh, to, to where it was advantageous on the lower bands to use lower sideband, and on the upper bands to use upper sideband. It's just the way that the numbers crunched out to, to actually work uh, with the oscillators. And I can't go into a long, detailed account of it here because I don't have it with me. And um, that's basically, though, uh, what a number of different people said. So. Yeah, but we, we can uh, we can always kind of follow back up on that maybe next month. I hopefully I'll be home next time, and I, I did want to prepare that and kind of summarize it. It was kind of long, mm-hmm. um, but unfortunately, being away wasn't able to put, to pull that off. Yeah, well, we've got a lot of questions tonight because we're trying to get to the end of two different segments here in the question pool. Uh, we've got some questions on uh, on CW as we mentioned. We've got some on the Q codes, and yeah. we've got some on in uh, winding up uh, inductance, and a little bit on transformers too. There's not many of those, but uh, uh, we're going to cover them and uh, discuss it a little bit on how all this turns ratio stuff works out. Yeah, so that uh, there's some pretty. Uh Tough questions. I I just kind of skimmed the question pool. I didn't, haven't studied them, so I haven't studied this stuff since I got my ticket 25 years ago. So this should be pretty interesting. See how much of it comes back and how much doesn't. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get in the first one here. Okay. Uh, who's going to ask this from Tommy? Uh, you can go ahead. I, it doesn't matter. Yeah, you want it because it's an easy one. I'll ask you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is an easy one. Yeah. When selecting a CW transmitting frequency, what minimum separation should be used to minimize interference to stations on adjacent frequencies? Is it A, 5 to 50 hertz? B, 150 to 500 hertz. 
See, one to three kilohertz. Or D, three to six kilohertz. And I, I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and answer that. I think it's it's going to be B. I'm pretty sure that's right. It's been a while since I looked at that stuff, but I think it is B. Um, and I'm sure. Let's see. That's CW. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's it's just B. That's the only way I thing I know to say about it. Yeah, we, we're getting some A's and B's and C's, and we've got At a least D. I think it's B. Yeah, so we we got a variety of answers there in the chat room. Um, I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to say it's B, and let's just see before we discuss it. And it is. You got that one. But well, wrong way. <laughs> Still wrong way. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> That's kind of different. Yeah, that was. Uh, okay, so why 150 to 500 hertz? Well, 5 to 50 would be would really be too narrow. I mean, we're just transmitting a single tone, basically, with CW. Um, or actually, we're just transmitting a carrier. But uh, 5 to 50 hertz would be kind of narrow to to um, zero in on 150 to 500 hertz that gives you plenty of range to tune that single tone in Uh, one to three kilohertz you're wasting bandwidth there and the same with uh, three to six i mean you know sideband transmissions are not really that wide so Mm -hmm. yep 150 to 500 what is the best speed to use when answering a CQ in Morse code? A, the fastest speed at which you're comfortable copying. B, the speed at which the CQ is sent. C, a slow speed until contact is established. Or D, at the standard calling speed of five words per minute. Uh, what's the best speed to use when answering a CQ in Morse code? Uh, that's... Yeah, a, I do remember this one too. Yeah. This has been a long time. But. That's a, a pretty simple one right there. Yeah, I remember it too. Uh, they're saying, well, they're saying B, and there's a a C over there. And uh, I, I'm going to go with B, Tommy, the speed at which the CQ was sent. Yeah, that's what that's what I would think too, and it makes sense. Yeah, to me, it does anyway. Yeah, yeah, to me too. There, the speed at which it was sent. <laughs> I don't know. Those, yeah. <laughs> we may have to catch up on those some other time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the guy who sent it, whatever speed he sent it at, you answer him at that speed. Now, it might be unfortunate if he sent it at 20 words a minute. You can only copy five yeah uh, or send well, it five then you probably wouldn't be you wouldn't be answering him anyhow yeah and maybe he wasn't looking for somebody to um, communicate with at five words a minute so anyway that's the answer b oh, cool all right one for you tommy okay what does the term zero beat mean in cw operation is it a Matching the speed of the transmitting station. 
B, operating split to avoid interference on frequency. C, sending without error. Or D, matching your frequency, your transmit frequency to the frequency of a received signal. What does the term zero beat mean in CW operation? I, th- I think that matching the speed, zero beat, that's the frequency. I think it, the only time I've ever heard zero beat, it it was uh, referring to frequency. So I'm thinking it's going to be D, matching your transmit frequency to the frequency of a received signal. But I'm not 100% sure about that. Well, that's what everybody's saying over in the <coughs> chat room. It's D, and uh, I'll agree with you. It's D, and it is. So you got that one. Yeah, and zero beat, where that comes from, um, it's used in another number of other things, too. If you've got a carrier on one particular frequency, you take another oscillator, and as you tune closer to it, you start hearing a, a tone. You know, you'll hear um, people tuning up on the air. You, you'll hear them sometimes as, as a tone, you know, right beside you. And it'll vary the frequency of that tone, the closer it gets to the frequency of the original carrier, the lower the frequency. Uh, The farther away it gets, the higher the frequency. So as, as you get that second oscillator right on the exact frequency of the original one, the frequency gets so low that it's, um, uh, essentially zero. There's no beat between them. That's what you call that tone that you hear as they approach each other is a beat frequency. Okay. When you get to zero beat, then then you're right on frequency. So you got that one. Okay. Well, I just got lucky with that one because I was remember the term zero beat. Okay. Well, then uh, I think so. My luck's probably going to be running out here pretty quick. Yeah, I think they're about to start getting a little harder. So uh, why don't you okay. hit me with this? Okay. When sending CW, what does a C mean when added to the RST report? A, chirpy or unstable signal. B, report was read from an S meter rather than estimated. C, 100% copy. Or D, key clicks. When sending CW, what does C mean when added to the RST report? Well, uh, the RST report is basically uh, uh, a report of how you copied, you know, how, how was the signal, 5 by 9 or or whatever term you want to use there. I think we've talked about all that before. Mm-hmm. But if there's a C on the end of it and you're operating CW, well, I'm going to be honest here. When I was entering these questions, I happened to look to see what the correct answer may be here. I was thinking that it was D, key clicks. However, what it actually is, and there's, you know, people are, I don't feel quite as bad. Um, Most people got it right here, but there were some other answers as well. So uh, what the real answer is, it's A, chirpy or unstable signal. 
Okay, so I would have probably guessed it right. I didn't know the answer, yeah. but I would have guessed C for chirp just yeah. because of C. I, uh, but otherwise, I would have probably missed that. Yep. There you go. You would have got that one, man. But let's see if you get this next one. But it's but it's kind of it's kind of funny though because we haven't studied these like so no. it's been a long time. This is just a memory refresher. So I have I've never worked CW in my life. So this is uh, going to be interesting. Well, I've only ever worked it from a computer, so that's yeah. a little different. Um, although, I just never really cared to know it. Yeah, you you would probably want to know these these uh, things we're covering tonight, whether you're operating with a key, a straight key, or a bug, or or a computer oh, sure. keyboard, you know, because this is what you'd be sending, and and other people would be sending to you. Right. What we're looking at right here is a chart of the Q signals. This one's available from ARRL.org. The link is kind of long there, so I shortened it with bit.ly there at the bottom. You can find all the... Well, I won't say all. There are more Q codes than are on this PDF file right here. Uh, but these are the most popular ones, and these are the ones ARRL wanted to, to point out. They're ones that you're most likely to hear on the air. Now, the print is too small for me to read it right there on screen, but you can download it at the link below there. There's a few that you'll hear, uh, whether you're on CW or not. There's, there's just a few that are, are very universally used. We'll have some of those, and then probably some that we don't know <laughs> the obvious answer to as well. So let's get on into those. And the first one here, let's see. It's my turn to ask you something. Okay. Which of the following describes full break-in telegraphy QSK? Is it A, breaking stations send the Morse code prosign BK? Automatic keys are used to send Morse code instead of hand keys. Oh, that's B. Yeah. C, an operator must activate a manual send-receive switch before and after every transmission. Or D, transmitting stations can receive between code characters and elements. Which of the following describes full break-in telegraphy? QSK. Automatic keyers. No. I don't think it has anything to do with automatic keyers. Operator must activate a manual send receive switch. Transmitting stations can receive between code characters and elements. I think that's going to be the answer. So if okay. you're running in telegraphy mode, um, they could pick it up in between somebody if they're sending slower characters. That's how I'm interpreting that. So I'm thinking it's D. So you're saying it's D. I'm, I'm guessing it's D. Well, uh, that's... That's the one that makes sense to me. Yeah, most everybody is saying D over in the chat room there. And it is. <clears throat> and the way that I remember this one, uh, QSK, if, you'll, if you look around at linear amplifier um, advertisements or specifications and such, you will see that some of them uh, have an option for QSK operation, or you can uh, change some components in it 
for QSK operation. And um, basically, it's the transmit-receive relay inside the amplifier. It's got to be able to turn on and off fast enough that you can hear between characters. Wow. So That's pretty... Yeah. That'd be pretty fast, I would think. Yeah. I don't think you and I, at uh, our current CW speed, will never need to worry about that. (laughs) No. No, because I'm going to have to use the chart in front of me the whole time. You know, (laughs) back in high school, I I was learning it. I actually knew it, and uh, I didn't. I ended up moving away. A friend of mine were going to get our tickets back when you used to have to have it. Yeah. And I moved away and never did follow through with it until I met you and and you know, and it was gone by then. So, well, it was for the technician license, which yeah, which was right. a good and convenient stopping point for you know, a couple of decades or so. Almost. Quite handy. Yeah, <laughs> but maybe one day. I know. The yeah, I, I actually have a little bit more interest in learning it now that I don't have to. Yeah, I just uh, haven't really put forth the effort. Don't have the time, but uh, I really should. Yeah, that's. You know, I, I haven't really had the desire to do it, but a lot of folks do, and they thoroughly enjoy it. Some folks, that's the only mode they operate. Uh-huh. Um, I was talking with Martin Jew this weekend uh, down here at the Jackson Ham Fest, and he was telling me about a new method that they're using now to teach kids CW, and they put a lot of videos out on YouTube, and what they did is they determined the 100 most frequently used words that you might uh, encounter on CW. And they're playing those words back at 20 words per minute. And instead of trying to teach them individual letters, they're just teaching them what the whole word sounds like. And, And learn it that way. Oh, that's interesting. And he said in six weeks you could learn it. So... I figure six months, six years, <laughs> you or I could could probably learn Six it. weeks for the kids and six months for us? Yeah. That yeah. sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, on to the next question. You can ask me this one. Okay, I think I will. Oh, this is kind of cheating. Did no, you, it's not. I think the deck was stacked. <laughs> um, what is the purpose of an electronic keyer? A- to automatic transmit slash receive switching? B, automatic generation of strings of dots and dashes for CW operation? C, Vox operation? Or D, computer interface for PSK and RIDI operation? What is the purpose of an electronic keyer? The term electronic keyer really only refers to CW operation. I would I would have thought initially that, uh, well, you could have electronic keyers for PSK or RIDI as well, but um, no, not in not as the answer to this question right here. Over in the chat room, everybody is saying it's B, automatic generation of strings of dots and dashes for CW operation. So That's, well, that would be my guess as yeah. well. If it's good enough for all y'all, it's good enough for me, too. Oh, you looked at the chat room before. That's kind of... Well, I already knew. <laughs> I already knew what yeah. it was. But uh, Okay. But, you know, they just... Um, confirmed it? They confirmed it. 
What does it mean when a CW operator sends KN at the end of a transmission? Is it A, listening for novice stations? B, operating full break-in. C, listening only for a specific station or stations. Or D, closing station now. Okay, listening for a novice station. I, I don't think so. Operating full break-in, closing station now. Let's see, I, th- I, I think it's going to be listening. I think it's going to be C, listening for a specific station or stations. Because uh, we just talked about the break-in a few sec- just a few questions back. I've never heard of anything about listening just for novice stations. I, I think it's... Uh, Looking for a specific station or stations probably in an area. Kind of like uh, when you call in CQ, you know, in, uh, for fives and so forth. Okay. Uh, contesting type thing. So, KN. I'm thinking it's, I think it's C, but okay. I'm not totally sure. Well, they're, they're back and forth between C and D here in the chat room. So, um, yeah, it, that's a sort of a tough question. but Mike's it. Yeah, I, I don't know. That's I'm, that's my guess. I don't know whether it's right or wrong. Well, that was a good guess. Well, the reason the reason I thought that I, I don't know what the KN stands for, but I kind of in my mind I made it. I put it to known. Yeah. Well, I don't know if that's right. It's um, it means listening only for a specific station or stations. Oh. Yeah. Okay. I mean. Okay. Uh, you got it. So. <laughs> This next one is a tough one, and I hate that you're going to be asking yeah. me this one. Process of elimination is a good thing, too. Yeah. What? Oh, uh, okay. What pro sign is sent to indicate the end of a formal message when using CW? A, SK. B, BK. C, AR. D, KN. Okay. See, I'm so glad you got this one because I only know one of them that it's not. So it would be a guess of the other three as I don't have a clue. Well, yeah, this is, I'm not going to look at the chat room. And I don't remember the answer to this one. I, I don't, I honestly don't have a clue. I just know, I don't think it's D because that D was, was the last the one. The last one, yep. And SK, I mean, I want to think that means silent key. Yeah, that's what I keep thinking too. But. I may be wrong on that. I don't think it's BK. So I'm going to narrow it down, and it's probably SK or AR. I'm going to say AR, and I'm, uh, I could be wrong. Well, I uh, It looks like that's what the chat room is saying, yeah. too. Oh, uh, they are. Okay. They're all saying C. Well. Most of them, yeah. Most okay. of them. Mike said no clue, so... Boy, I lucked up on that one. Oh, you got it too, so good job. Yeah. Well then. man. You really really need to study these because, as you can see, there's not a good way to reason them out other than, uh, well, you just need to study them. I almost wish I would have studied them before we came on here, but uh, I guess that takes half the fun out of it for the viewers. (laughs) These are are a little tougher than we're accustomed to. Oh yeah, no kidding. 
Uh, uh, for a CW guy, you know, he would have breezed right through it. But um, uh-huh. no. yeah, but uh, but this is yeah, this is uh, for you know, I'm surprised with it not being required that that stuff's even still on there. But yeah, well, it is clearly. Yeah. Okay, well, we're going to take a break right now because I need to load up the next set of questions here and uh, and catch a quick breath. We'll be right back. Communicating has never been more fun than with ICOM. From D-Star to SDR, ICOM uses the most advanced technology in their radios. The SDR you've asked for is here. ICOM's new 7610 is a high-performance RMDR with the ability to pick out the faintest signals, even in the presence of stronger adjacent signals. The new ICOM IC7610 is a direct sampling, software-defined radio that will change the world's definition of a SDR transceiver. RF direct sampling system, 110 dB RMDR, independent dual receivers, and dual digicell. Communicate with a new D-Star communications device. Easy to operate, the ID31A Plus is available in silver, red, or gold. Worldwide digital communication. Share pictures and text messages. IPX waterproof, compact, lightweight, and tough. The ID31A Plus is the new UHF handheld that you'll want. Visit iComAmerica slash amateur for more information on all the great iCom radios. I just happen to have some right here, an icon ball cap, perfect for. Yeah. for. You, you, you know, it'd be nice if you had a really nice icon T-shirt to go along with that. Well, it would, and just yeah, so it happens, like that. Yeah, I've got an icon ham crew T-shirt right here as well. If you'd like to win perfect. one of those. Well, all you would need to do is go to this address right here, hamcollege at amateurlogic.tv, and just send us an email, and uh, you can say whatever you want to in it. We don't, you don't have to be a ham. The only thing you really got to have is a name and an email address. Yeah, yeah. most of you probably got names. Yeah, and you probably you wouldn't be emailing us. email address easy enough. Just send us an email, hamcollege at amateurlogic.tv, and you could win the T-shirt and a hat and whatever else Jesse sticks in that prize package there because he always sticks some extra stuff in there as well. We did a drawing right before the show tonight, and I came up with the lucky winner. It's Rodney Huff. He said he enjoys the show. And uh, congratulations, Rodney. Uh, they'll be getting yeah, this right out to you. Appreciate you watching. Yeah, and we don't, uh, I don't have a call sign there, so he may not be a ham, and that's okay. This is a show for folks who may not necessarily be hams. Uh, and yeah. we've heard from an awful lot of them who have gotten licensed after, uh, you know, we gave them a little shove and helped them get started yeah. studying there. And hey, Rodney may may not be a ham yet. He, he may be, but he may, he may not. But a good chance he probably will be in the very near future. Yep. Good Count chance. on it. Yep. All right. Ham College at AmateurLogic.tv. Drop us a line and um, just um, tell us uh, whatever you want to. No, don't be too too rude, but you know, 
You can, you can <laughs> tell us you watch the show or, uh, you know, a little bit about yourself or just your uh, just your name and your email address. That's all you really have to have. Good enough. Yep. Yeah. And, as, and speaking of those email addresses, uh, we've mentioned it before, but it never hurts to mention it again. We do not uh, share your email addresses with anyone. The only one that gets any of them is ICOMA. They only get the one address of the winner, so they can yep. get in touch with you. So your email addresses don't go anywhere. Yeah. As a matter of fact, we delete them all. Yep, that is true after uh, each drawing. What should you do if a CW station sends QRS? A, send slower. B, change frequency. C, increase your power. Or, or D, repeat everything twice. Repeat everything twice. <laughs> okay, what should you do if the CW station sends QRS? And this one, I think I remember that it sends slower. I think. A. So I think my answer is going to be A, send slower. Okay. Well, that's what they're kind of saying over there in the chat room. I'm just going to have to take their word for it because I don't really remember Let's see. Wow. Yeah, that, that's one of the few ones I, I did remember, or oh. do remember. You know, we're almost halfway through these and no buzzer yet. That could well, change. we still got 50% chance. Yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah, here, here comes a buzzer. <laughs> what does the Q signal QRL mean? A, will you keep the frequency clear? B, are you operating full break-in or can you operate full break-in? C, are you listening only for a specific station? Or D, are you busy or is this frequency in use? Well, QRL, you know I have to think about this one real hard right here. And I actually already have thought about it pretty hard. And um, I would say my guess is is going to be D. Are you busy or is this frequency in use? Now, I wouldn't have uh, normally known that because I, I don't hear anyone using that. Um, and people just usually say in voice, is the frequency in use? But I think that's it. I, I don't believe it's any of the others there. What do you say, Tommy? I, I honestly don't know. Um, I, I was kind of thinking it might have been A, but I'm just not sure. Okay. Well, let's see. Lucked okay. up on that one. What does oh, the Q okay. signal QSL mean? A, send slower. B, we have already confirmed by card. C, I acknowledge receipt. Or D, we have worked before. And QSL, I understand this one. So it's going to be C, I acknowledge receipt. And that is what everyone is saying over in the chat room. Yeah, most of those people in the chat room are already ham, so I wouldn't expect them to miss that one. That's probably the most commonly used one. Yep. One of them. QSL. <laughs> <laughs> I acknowledge receipt, although it'll be used a lot to mean yes or affirmative when you're talking yeah. to folks. This, this is an easy one, too. 
You should know this one. Living in the South in the summer. What does the Q signal QRN mean? A. Send more slowly. B. I am troubled by static. <laughs> C. Zero beat my signal. Or D. Stop sending. Well, this is not the exact words I remember QRN meaning, but there's only one here. What QRN is, um, that's noise, and it's not man-made noise, uh, natural occurring noise. Uh, so the only one thing there that would be a natural occurring noise would be B, I am troubled by static. Mm -hmm. And everybody saying B over in. Are they? Yep. And there you go. I am troubled by static. That's the answer to it. Easy yeah. enough. And that's, uh, that's what I was talking about when I said living in the south. You should know that one very well. Yeah. The summer thunderstorms. QRM would mean uh, man-made noise. So, uh, QRN, QRM. Natural or man-made. Oh, that's exactly what John was saying over here in the chat room. So, yep. What does the Q signal QRV mean? Is it A, you are sending too fast? B, there is interference on the frequency? C, I am quitting for the day. Or D, I am ready to receive messages. Hmm. Uh, it's not A, QRV, because uh, I think we said QRS was sent slower earlier, which means the same thing. Interference on the frequency. Quitting. I don't remember this one, so I'm going to guess that it's interference B. There in, there's interference on the frequency, but I don't remember this one. That's that's just a wild guess, okay. a hunch. There's What's the chat room saying? All right, D. Well, I probably room. just got a buzzer going on yeah, here. Chat room is saying D, so I would have missed this one too. I think because I don't, I don't know what how I would have answered it, but anyway. <laughs> It is oh, deep. got buzzered. Yep. I am ready to receive messages. The buzzers are circling. Yep. Well, we finally got there you, one, y'all. There you go, cheap old man. That's for you, brother. <laughs> <laughs> well, we finally That's, got... I haven't had one in a while. I'm past due. Yeah. Well, you're true. That's true. You know. There'll probably be another one tonight, too, because... Uh, I know the electronics uh, topic is not my forte, so we'll see. We'll see. All right, we'll be back in just a moment. Are you new to the ham world or an existing amateur operator who wants to take your license to the next level? Study for your radio license exam at hamstudy.org. Hamstudy.org is a free online learning tool powered by ICOM. It was created by Richard Bateman, KD7BBC, Michael Stuffelbeam, KV9G, and Rich Porter, KK6GKE, and it uses a modern web design to enhance the experience of studying for your technician, general, and amateur extra exams. 
Since 2013, hamstudy.org has helped new and existing hams to familiarize themselves with the question pools, use stats-based flashcards to focus on material they need to learn, and take practice exams to gauge progress. Visit hamstudy.org on your desktop computer or mobile device. Register for a free account at hamstudy.org to access personalized study history and other site features. Prepare for an exam in an intuitive and comprehensive manner. Check out hamstudy.org powered by ICOM for free learning tools. Good luck on your next exam. First electronics question tonight, and uh, you can ask me this one. Is this a setup? No, you, I ask you the last okay. one. Okay, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, what is an advantage of using a ferrite core toroidal inductor? A, large values of inductance may be obtained. B, the magnetic properties of the core may be optimized for a specific range of frequencies. C, most of the magnetic field is contained in the core. Or D, all of these choices are correct. This one I actually feel like I know the answer to, so I'm going to wait and see if I'm right. All right. I think I know the answer to this one, too. Uh You probably, I'm sure you do. It's D. All of these choices are correct. That's, that's yeah, that's what I would have thought. That's what everybody in the chat room thinks. There we go. Awesome. All of these choices are correct. Go ahead and get that buzzer out for the next one. How should the winding axis of two solenoid inductors be oriented to minimize their mutual inductance? A, in line. B, parallel to each other. C, at right angles to each other. Or D, interleaved. Hmm. How should the winding axis of two solenoid inductors be oriented to minimize their mutual inductance? I don't, in line, I don't think so. I don't think parallel, because I think that would, that would maximize their um, right angles were interleaved. Right angles would be crossed. I would think, I would think at right angles, just to guess, the parallel and interleave don't, I think that might actually increase. And then in line, I'd, I'm, I'm guessing at right angles. That's the one that seems like they would kind of uh, cancel some of each other out. Okay. There you go. Right See, angles. you were guessing at right angles. Yeah, because you... And everybody yeah. in the chat room was saying... And that's well. that's a totally... I, I, that's lucky. Because I don't really understand that. That's just a guess that... Well, it's it's just like I'd like it, to see a demonstration of that. To be honest with you, well, to understand here, it better. I just happen to have two <laughs> wow, two inductors here. Well, those are cool. I've got some yeah. of those inductors. One of them is totally invisible. There, <laughs> <laughs> I better get another inductor. Here you go. 
I got two inductors here. If if we put them in line like that, well, you can kind of guess that's that they're gonna have some mutual inductance. You know, they're gonna mm-hmm. work together. If you put them parallel to each other, yeah, they're probably gonna, you know, work with each other there as well. If you interleave them, I'm not sure how to show that with these two particular inductors here. But if you put them at right angles, you know, the magnetic fill off one is going to be going one way and the other is going the other. Yeah. So that'd and, that was, be, and that's why my answer. Yeah, that'd be the least interaction between the two there. What causes a voltage to appear across the secondary winding of a transformer when an AC voltage source is connected across its primary winding? A, capacitive coupling. B, displacement current coupling. C, mutual inductance. Or D, mutual capacitance. Well, I just just so happen to have a drawing of a transformer schematic symbol right here. That is really handy. Boy, it is. And if you look at it, that looks like an inductor. And this uh, secondary side looks like an inductor, too. Now, it just happens to have these lines through it, meaning that's an iron core transformer Mm -hmm. there. But it's basically two inductors, and they just happen to be sitting side by side there. And a minute ago, we were were trying to eliminate mutual inductance. So I'm going to say this would not eliminate any. So what were my choices there again? A, capacitive coupling. B, displacement current. C, mutual inductance. Or D, mutual capacitance. Yep, mutual inductance. I say it's C. So does everyone else there in the chat room. Yeah, that would be the one that I would have guessed too. Yep. There we go. Mutual inductance. What happens if you reverse the primary and secondary windings of a 4 to 1 voltage step-down transformer? A, the secondary voltage becomes four times the primary voltage. B, the transformer no longer functions as it is a unidirectional device. C, additional resistance must be added in series with the primary to prevent overload. Or D, additional resistance must be added in parallel with the secondary to prevent overload. Uh, Secondary voltage becomes four times primary. Reverse of primary and secondary. I'll keep wanting to look in the chat room. I'm not going to look, though, because I'm just going to have to guess on this one, I think. Functions as a unidirectional. I mean, the one that comes to mind, I, I don't really. I'm going to go with the A. But I don't. That's not going to be right. Well? Step down. Well, maybe it is. This is a step up transformer. I'll, I'll go. I'll try A. It's okay. a, I'm guessing. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't want you to guess wrong. Are you sure? 
Yeah, because the chat room said A too. <laughs> yeah, I want to agree with you. It is A, and everyone in the chat room is agreeing with you. Yep. Yeah, if we uh, if we look back at the drawing I just so happen to have here, this would be the primary. This would be the secondary. This is a step-down transformer. You can tell there's more windings here on the primary than there is on the secondary. So whatever voltage we put in here, it's going to be less coming out the other side there. If we took that and turned it around, say if we put the voltage in on this side, the voltage over here would be higher. It would be a step up in that case. So, your your logic worked there. Backwards logic. Amateur logic. Yep. Okay. Okay. Well, why is the conductor of a primary winding of many voltage step-up transformers larger in diameter than the conductor of the secondary winding? A, to improve the coupling between the primary and secondary. B, to accommodate the higher current of the primary. C, to prevent parasitic oscillations due to resistive losses in the primary. Or D, to ensure that the volume of the primary winding is equal to the volume of the secondary winding. Well, why is the conductor of the primary winding of many voltage step-up transformers? Okay, uh, I'm going to give you my reasoning here as, as to why I'm going to choose this answer. Let's make another drawing. A step-up transformer would be like this. We've got a, a primary with a few turns, and then we've got a secondary that has a lot more turns. That's a step up. The voltage is going to be higher on this side. So, you know, the whole thing deals with power there. And power would be voltage times current. If we had a lower voltage on this side over here and a higher voltage on this side over here, for the power to be the same, then the current over here is going to be less and the current on this side is going to be higher because the voltage times the current equals the power. That's going to mean that we're going to have bigger windings over here because they need to handle more current. To accommodate, it's going to be B, to accommodate the higher current of the primary. Well, that makes sense. Yep. And, well, let's see. There we go, to accommodate the higher current of the primary. That means I've got a question for you. Okay. So soon. Yeah. What is the turns ratio of a transformer used to match an audio amplifier having 600 ohms output impedance to a speaker having 4 ohms impedance? Is it A, 12.2 to 1? Oh, boy. B, 24.4 to 1. C, 150 to 1. Or D, 300 to 1. What is the turns ratio of a transformer used to match the audio amplifier having 600 ohm 
output to a speaker having four arms. I want to look at the chat room. Uh, no, you don't. I, I don't? No, you don't. Yes, I do, but no. I'm not going to. <laughs> I, I'm going. I'm just going to have to guess because I don't know. I've never done anything with the uh, transformer with the turn ratios or anything. So I'm, the only time I've ever looked at it was probably when I studied it back to take my test 25 years ago. So I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna do the simple math here, and I'm gonna go see. 150 to 1 but I'm sure that's probably very wrong. I just don't I just don't know the answer. So you're saying it's C? I'm I'm saying it's C, but I I'm saying I'm also saying I'm sure I'm probably wrong. Well, let's see if you if it's C. Cuz that's probably way too obvious. Yes, it was. Yeah, that figures. I got buzzed twice tonight. Yeah. Well, that's that's why I tell you you don't want to look at the chat room cuz uh, the majority of folks in there said it was C. Oh, okay. And, and well, you would, you so would I'm not think alone. that. I'm in good company. You would think it was C right off if you, if you were looking at it. But uh, that... I just felt like that was wrong, though. Well, if you were talking about voltage, it would have been. But you're talking about impedance. So that changes it. Why don't you do some splaining on it well, for us? Well, I just happen to have a piece of white paper right here. We're talking about the turns ratio in relation to impedance. We've got a transformer. One side's got a lot of windings on it. That's because it, uh, well, it was 600 ohms. The other side is going to go to a 4-ohm speaker. So we're going to have less windings on it for 4 ohms. And the reason I keep drawing those lines in there, for a power transformer or an audio transformer, it's it's going to have a metal core in it. Uh, you get up to RF frequencies, you may not have that core there. But anyway, so, for, and we're talking about the impedance, which is going to be in ohms. That's how everything is changed, why it wouldn't be the same as, as a voltage ratio. So what we need to do is take the impedance of the primary, and we'll call that ZP for Z primary, and then we're going to divide it by ZS for secondary. Now I just happen to have a Pentium 3 calculator handy right here. So our primary was 600 ohms. Our secondary was 4 ohms. That gives us 150, which is what everybody was thinking there. But then, yep. we need to take this, this formula here, solve it, and then get the square root of it. Since we're talking about impedance instead of talking about voltage. So the square root of that, 12.247. So 12.2 ohms. Okay. So that that's how I explain that. I probably should have had a bigger well, piece of paper. You did a pretty good job explaining it. That's, that's the whole thing right there. Since you're talking about impedance instead of a voltage ratio, 
you just got to take the square root of it. Everybody was right, you know, doing this part of the equation. They just didn't do the square root to go with it. So Okay. That's it. I was not aware of that, but I am now, so that's good. It's been a good learning experience for me as well. Yep. Well, have you got one to stump me with? Oh, yeah, this was going to get you for sure. Okay. What? <laughs> what is the RMS voltage across a 500-turn secondary winding in a transformer if the 2,250-turn primary is connected to 120 volts AC? A, 2,370 volts. B, 540 volts. C, 26.7 volts. Or D, 5.9 volts. Well, let's calculate this out. And we're talking about a voltage ratio here. Or, or yeah, basically we're talking about the voltage on the primary and the voltage on the secondary. Back to a handy calculator. First thing I need to do is solve uh, the turns ratio here. So 2,250 turns on the primary divided by 500 on the secondary equals 4.5. So that's a 4.5 to 1 ratio. All right, so our voltage was 120 volts and we're 4.5 to 1, so that means we need to divide that. We're stepping down. Divided by 4.5, 26.666, so uh, 26.7. That's what I'm going to go with. So Okay. Let's see. So you're saying it's C. I'm saying it's C. And, yeah, we, we had some different guesses there, but uh, most most folks said it was C. So yeah, that these one, are pretty tough. Yeah, that that's, you know, since we're only talking uh, voltage there, then, then the logical thing you would think right off works, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, just, just figure out the turns ratio and divide the second, or the primary voltage by that. And I think we have reached the end of our question pool for tonight. Well, I was starting to sweat, thinking there might be another one coming. Yeah. No, I, I can dig up something if I'm if good. You want. Oh, my bandwidth is, I'm, you're starting to break up. <laughs> okay. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. That, was, that was interesting uh, interesting stuff. I need to look into that some more and uh, maybe do a few exercises on my own just to kind of get that firmed firmed up. Yeah. Um. Because I'll be honest with you, when I took my test, that's probably one of the ones I'll just kind of memorize the answer on and never really understood it, <clears throat> which isn't the right thing to do, but uh, sometimes it happens. Yeah, sometimes it does happen, but, you know, what you, uh, that, that one was pretty easy, but the previous one, that was a toughie. That was really yeah. a toughie. Uh, when you're trying to figure out with the impedance there. 
But uh, yeah, all the CW stuff there, uh, the Q codes, you know, if you're a sideband operator or, or primarily a voice operator, you, you're not going to know a lot of that stuff. Yeah, and you know, so. the Q codes, I actually have a chart of that stuff, a little mm-hmm. reference thing I've got there at my station. You know, I can kind of look them up easy enough if one I don't know, but uh, that's not going to help you on your test, so you do need to to know the ones that were on the questions. Yeah. So what would you say are the most popular Q codes? This this is not scientific here. We're just we're just speculating. Uh QR QRZ uh what does that and, mean? Uh, QSL, huh? What does QRZ mean? Uh who's calling? Yep. And then uh QSL, I use that a lot. Those are the most popular two that I use. And QSL means uh, acknowledge your receipt or yes. Yeah. So kind of an acknowledgement. Another one you'll hear a lot is QSY. QSY, yeah. And that means um, I'm changing frequencies. Change. Yeah. Uh, QRO. That would mean um, high power. So there's another one that goes along with that. That you okay. know, what is it for low power? I I don't know. Yeah, you do. Q O oh, Q R P. Yep. Yeah, yep. I do know. Yep. <clears throat> There's a lot of them out there. Q S T, um, Q S O. What what is Q S O? That's your conversation. Yep. Yep. So actually, you know more of them than you think you do till they come when they come up. So. Yeah, it's when you get to those obscure ones that, uh, you know, those will, I may have to say, what did you mean? <laughs> yeah, but yeah. You, don't have a, you don't have a little quick lookup chart? Well, I do, but it's not quick. Maybe I need to get a quick one. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, I used to keep it there in my, tucked in my edge of my logbook there. Yeah. Well, before we go, a couple of things we want to mention here. And the first thing we're going to mention is our social media networks. What are those, Tommy? Yeah, you can catch us on uh, Facebook. We have Amateur Logic Facebook group there. We've got a Google Plus group. And we've got uh, Twitter accounts uh, at Amateur Logic. And we also have at Ham College. Um, okay. Likewise, uh, both of those are on Facebook and google plus as well and i've been thinking about i don't know how many of you guys are instagram users but i've i've been thinking about starting up those and uh just trying to get some more out there um Hmm. it's kind of hard to man the ones that we have sometimes but uh kind of like to have a presence all around yeah yep i'm not even on instagram so yeah oh you're not yeah Yeah. i get on there some because i like to do the picture stuff but Anyway, it's kind of interesting. Yep. Also, we want to mention that um, we've got the show notes wiki here. Our friend Dan in 9LVS does. Uh, You can get the Amateur Logic or the Ham College show notes by going to amateurlogic.tv slash wiki. Yeah, thanks to Dan for doing that. He, He does a great job. He's been doing those a long time. He has. Boy, he has, hasn't he? Uh huh. All right. Well, I guess that uh, 
that's going to wind it up for tonight. Tommy, have you got any parting thoughts? No, appreciate everybody joining us. And uh, uh, on the social media things, I had posted some polls about the possibility of having uh, some type of a quick net after we do the amateur logic shoots. So if you haven't voted on that, go vote, and uh, we're going to see possibility of maybe doing doing that. We've done some echo link stuff, just uh, impromptu here and there, but uh, you know, kind of thought about maybe doing something a little bit more formal and do it, you know, right after each one of the shoots. Yeah. Um, so go vote if you haven't. Yeah. Good point. Uh. Well. I don't guess I have anything to say other than, uh, boy, it's it's been a busy week here, and this upcoming week is going to be busy. But we'll be back with another Ham College at the end of February and another Amateur Logic somewhere in the middle of February. Yeah, that's coming up pretty fast. Yep. So uh, I was at the Jackson Amateur Radio Club Ham Fest this past weekend. I, I shot a little video down there. I know I'll be having that on Amateur Logic. I don't know what else we're going to have yet, so we'll have to yeah. see. Yeah, uh, I haven't done a segment yet. I've got something in mind, so uh, to see if we can fit it in. Yep. I'm sure the cheap old man will have something cheap for us, and Peter will probably have something upside down. So, <laughs> from um, the land down under? From the land down under. All right, thanks for being here tonight, everyone. Uh, we appreciate you. And, um, well, 7-3. Yep, yep, 73, everybody. We'll see you next time. Yeah, Tommy sure. didn't didn't have any audio, did he? Oh, you had me turned down? Yeah, but that's okay. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> you didn't really have anything to say anyway, did you? <laughs>